The text for the message today comes from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. I am certainly better off having cancer because of all of God's blessings to me. Imagine that being the first sentence that you hear to start your week. Last Tuesday, I finally had an in-depth conversation with a man that all of you have told me so much about. Last week was Pastor Brian Roberts' first week back here working in over a year. He had a conversation, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. God has been so good. He had a conversation with me that enlightened me in a way that I wasn't prepared for when he talked to me about it. I want to share with you the conversation that we had, and he's been gracious enough to let me share some of his story as well. Now, as all of you know, Pastor Roberts was diagnosed with cancer a little over a year ago, and he has suffered greatly in both body and in spirit because of it. It's been a true test for both he and his family going through this time. Imagine, if you will, being told by your doctor that you have pancreatic cancer, something that's often a death sentence for those that hear it. Imagine, if you will, having many rounds of poison injected into your body, poison that kills the cancer but also kills you little by little. Imagine having to stare death in the face and be strong for your family at the same time because they're afraid of losing their dear father and their dear husband. Imagine being told that to survive this disease, you need to have several of your internal organs cut out of you, including your pancreas and parts of your stomach and intestines. Imagine developing diabetes in your 60s because you no longer have the organ that produces insulin. Imagine hating the sight of food, that it tastes bad, that it looks bad, and that it makes you sick to your stomach because your stomach can't digest it. Imagine losing so much weight because of this, that doctors fear for your life because you're dangerously thin. Imagine that even after beating cancer, that every two months you have to go in and have a procedure where they stick a feeding hose through your nose down into your intestines. Imagine that every three months you have to be reminded that this disease could come back at any time because you have to get scanned every three months. And now, after all of that, Imagine being so bold as to say the words, I am certainly better off having cancer because of all of God's blessings to me. Suffering produces endurance. 
Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we rejoice in our sufferings. She is so funny. Y'all are going to get along so well. I can't wait for you to meet her. Last year, my seminary friend and I, Ethan Luft, we were hanging out. Ethan's wife had gotten called off to work in Kansas City, and so we thought we'd take advantage of the opportunity and have a bro night. So we were doing what guys do, just sharing stories and old jokes from class, staying up way too late. And as the night was approaching the end, I walked by a hallway in his house that prominently features all of the family photos that Ethan has. Now, Ethan comes from a large family, four boys and two girls, and two loving parents. And so I was sitting there admiring these photos, and keep in mind, I've never met anyone in Ethan's family, so I don't know them, but I'm trying to imagine what they're like. I'm seeing these pictures of birthdays and Halloween and family vacations and trips to camp, and I'm trying to figure out who they are. You know how you do that when you see a picture of someone you don't know. You start to imagine their personality. And as I'm standing there, Ethan comes up next to me and he says, it's interesting that you're looking at that one in particular. That's my sister Brianna. She is so funny. Y'all are going to get along so well. I can't wait for you to meet her. One of the subtle joys of this life is the opportunity for a new friend. And my first and my initial reaction when I saw or when I heard his words were that of happiness and honor, that he felt that his sister and I could be close friends. But I'll never forget the feeling that immediately followed. Blessed assurance. Blessed assurance. It was something that Ethan had just shown to me in spades, a feeling that I had not come to fully grasp in a way that Ethan had been forced to, because you see, there's one detail of this story that I haven't told you yet, one detail that I've left out, and it's this. Brianna, Ethan's youngest sister, and Ethan's mother have all been dead for several years. On a family vacation to Colorado, their car got into an accident, killing all of them. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not ever put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, if you'll notice from the reading today, it's not a quick process to go from suffering to hope. It's not easy. It's not simple. There are steps in between. I think as Christians, a lot of times we feel like we can't be sad because we have the hope of eternal life. That when people ask us how we're doing, we have to always say, oh, I'm good. I'm good because I'm saved. We can't ever lament or be sorry. But Scripture refutes this idea strongly. 
And I want to give you an example of this process of suffering to endurance, to character, to hope. And it comes from King David. But I want to give you a disclaimer before I tell you this story about David. In this story, David is being punished for sins that he did. He murdered Uriah and he had an affair with Bathsheba. But in your life, your suffering is not caused because God is punishing you. This is a different context, and I want you to understand that. The part of the story I want you to focus on is how David embraces his sufferings and goes through this four-step process that Paul lays out for us in Romans 5. The story is this. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, David is called out for his sin by God through the prophet Nathan. David responds by saying, I have sinned against God. He acknowledges his sin. But God tells him that there's going to be punishment. And the punishment is that God is going to take away his son that was produced from the affair with Bathsheba. Soon afterwards, the son becomes ill. And David pleads with God day and night. He lays on the ground next to his son. He doesn't get up. He refuses food. He weeps bitterly, and he prays over and over again, God, please don't take my son. Eventually, the boy does die, just as God said he would. And David then gets up off the ground, washes himself, puts ointments on his wounds and perfume on his body, and he goes to the temple and he, or to the tabernacle, and he worships God, and he rejoices with God. Then he comes home, and he eats a meal after having fasted the whole time. And his servants, they don't understand this, and so they ask him, David, why is it that when your son was still alive, you wept bitterly, you fasted, you didn't wash yourself, you wore rags, you were disgusting on the ground, and you refused our help and our service? But now that your son's dead, you're eating again and rejoicing at the tabernacle. This is David's response. While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back? I shall go to him, but he can never return to me. David suffered one of the most intense emotional pains imaginable. He suffered very greatly, but his fasting and his weeping built endurance, an endurance that could only come from the bitter, bitter pain that he had just had to live through. And his endurance changed his character. It changed his character from that of a bold sinner against God to a man begging God for a clean spirit and a new heart at God's feet, begging for repentance. And this new character, it led David to the tabernacle to rejoice in the hope that he has and that his son has. But guys, David lamented he leaned into his sufferings. There was no quick move to, I should be happy because I'm saved. When his servants came up to him and asked him if he wanted help or how he was doing, he didn't just say, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay, move along. No, he wept in front of them. The king wept on the ground in dirty rags, 
covered in dirt, starving, disgusting. And he lamented and he wept bitterly. David embraced his sufferings and he felt their full sting. And even in the midst of losing his child, his hope was being formed and fulfilled every day. David worships God, and he runs back to Him with lament and sorrow and rejoicing. But it was complicated. It was messy. It was a snot-filled, tearful, wailing, lamenting, rejoicing at the tabernacle that day. It would have been an odd sight to see, and it would have been complicated and messy. When you suffer, embrace this process. Learn from King David. Go through the steps that Paul lays out. David writes in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer me. And by night, but I find no rest. How often David must have cried out these words when he lost his son. How often Pastor Brian must have cried out these words when he was going through chemo. How often Ethan must have cried out these words when he lost his mother and his sisters at such a young age. What I see before me today is a sea of suffering. Stories just like the ones that I've told you fill these seats. I see the faces of widows and widowers. I see cancer survivors. I see those who have strokes. I see those who have crippling anxiety and depression. I see victims of horrible, horrible crimes and so many other multitudes of suffering that happen every day. However, there's one more voice. One more voice that I want to add to the list of people who have cried out the words of Psalm 22 in anguish and pain. A carpenter named Jesus, who was put to death for crimes and sins he didn't commit. For sins that God now forgets, because you see, his burden was the greatest. And when he cried out the words of Psalm 22, he added, it is finished. You see, people in the world can suffer, and their suffering can build endurance, and their endurance can even produce character. But when it comes to hope, those without Christ are totally bankrupt. They have no hope. It is only by Christ's wounds that we have been healed. It is by the cross that our hope is not a far-off dream of someday. It's right here and it's right now. Jesus is God with us, and His sufferings give meaning to your suffering. Each nail in His wrist, each thorn in His scalp, and every desperate gasp for air that he made as he pushed up on the cross for hours is a promise to you. And the promise is this, and I want you to hear this. I don't waste your pain. 
I don't waste your pain, and I don't waste your sufferings. I never have, and I never will. God's blessings are mysterious, and they're not always apparent when we're going through the throes of anguish and suffering and pain. But take it from Brian. Take it from Ethan. And most importantly, take it from Jesus, that our suffering ultimately produces hope. And that hope can never, ever be put to shame. It's with you now in earthly blessings, and it's with you forever in eternal blessings. Because three days after Jesus cried out the words of Psalm 22, He leapt up out of that tomb. And because of that, Brianna is not dead. David is not dead. David's son is not dead. Pastor Roberts is not dead. You are not dead. I'm not dead. And most importantly and finally, Jesus is not dead. He lives and He reigns, and you will with Him one day also. Yes, you will taste the suffering of this world. These bodies will pass away for a short time you will taste a small portion of death. But your suffering will immediately turn to hope when the king of the universe and the same lips that said, let there be light, gently kiss your forehead and tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. Your hope has turned to sight. Now you are with me and I am your Christ. You presently now have access to the resurrection. In the waters of baptism, the old Adam within you is drowned, and what emerges with you out of the water is your new character in Christ. In the sacrament, you also receive the Holy Spirit, who's been poured out to you in love. The eternal God of the universe rests in your sinful flesh. Jesus bore all the sufferings of the world on the cross, but now God resides within you, and every sting and every pain and every cancer and every stroke, every tumor, every death, the Holy Spirit knows your suffering. And daily, through His work and in His own time, he is turning that suffering into hope. And that's the promise that we have in Romans 5. I want to use the two examples that I started with today as tangible witnesses of suffering turned to hope. Pastor Roberts, this very week, administered the sacraments. He prayed with the sick and he consoled the mourning. And he witnessed to me how his suffering has been replaced only with hope. He now rejoices in his sufferings, and he will tell anyone who is willing to listen how blessed he is to have cancer. Ethan, at this very moment, at this very hour, is standing in front of a congregation just like this, giving a sermon which I'm sure is probably better than mine in Canton, Ohio, at Holy Cross Lutheran, telling all who will listen about his hope 
in the resurrection. Their darkness has turned into the morning dawn, and their hope and our hope and David's hope has never been defeated. It is all time undefeated because the sufferings of Christ have turned into our only hope. And as for Brianna, I penciled her in for lunch at the Lamb's High Feast a few thousand weeks from now in the new creation. And I, too, can't wait to be her friend. Amen. We have a weekly awakening question for you today. Put it up on the screens. And it's this. Share a blessing you have received as a result of suffering. Ponder that this week.